0: Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, PA-LM2 and GPT-4 and Extrapolating gpt Performance, published by Lucas Finn on May 30, 2023 on the AI Alignment Forum. Two and a half years ago, I wrote Extrapolating gpt Performance, trying to predict how fast scaled-up models would improve on a few benchmarks. One year ago, I added PA-LM to the graphs. Another spring has come and gone, and there are new models to add to the graphs, PA-LM-2 and GPT-4. Though I only know GPT-4's performance on a small handful of benchmarks. Converting to Chinchilla Scaling Laws. In previous iterations of the graph, the X position represented the loss on GPT-3's validation set, and the X-axis was annotated with estimates of size plus data that you'd need to achieve that loss according to the Kaplan Scaling Laws. When adding PA-LM to the graph, I estimated its loss using those same Kaplan scaling laws. In these new iterations, the X position instead represents an estimate of reducible loss according to the Chinchilla scaling laws. Even without adding any new data points, this predicts faster progress, since the Chinchilla scaling laws describes how to get better performance for less compute. The appendix describes how I estimate Chinchilla reducible loss for GPT-3 and PA-LM1. Briefly, for the GPT-3 data points, I convert from loss reported in the GPT-3 paper to the minimum of parameters and tokens you'd need to achieve that loss according to Kaplan scaling laws, and then plug those numbers of parameters and tokens into the chinchilla loss function. For PA-LM1, I straightforwardly put its parameter and token count into the chinchilla loss function. To start off, let's look at a graph with only GPT-3 and PA-LM1, with a chinchilla x-axis. Here's a quick explainer of how to read the graphs, the original post contains more details. Each dot represents a particular model's performance on a particular category of benchmarks, taken from papers about GPT-3 and PaLM. lm Color represents benchmark, Y-position represents benchmark performance, normalized between random and my guess of maximum possible performance. The X-axis labels are all using the chinchilla scaling laws to predict reducible loss per token, number of parameters, number of tokens, and total flop, if language models at that loss were trained chinchilla optimally. Compare to the last graph in this comment, which is the same with a Kaplan x-axis. Some things worth noting. PA-LM is now 0.5 Ohm of compute less far along the x-axis. This corresponds to the fact that you could get PA-LM for cheaper if you used optimal parameter and data scaling. The smaller GPT-3 models are farther to the right on the x-axis. I think this is mainly because the x-axis in my previous post had a different interpretation. The overall effect is that the data points get compressed together and the slope becomes steeper. Previously, the black average sigmoid reached 90% at 1 E28 flop. Now it looks like it reaches 90% at 5 E26 flop. Let's move on to PA-LM2. If you want to guess whether PA-LM2 and GPT-4 will underperform or outperform extrapolations, now might be a good time to think about that. PA-LM2. If this CNBC leak is to be trusted, PA-LM2 uses 340B parameters and is trained on 3.6T tokens. That's more parameters and less tokens than is recommended by the chinchilla training laws. Possible explanations include. The model isn't dense. Perhaps it implements some type of mixture of expert situation that means that its effective parameter count is smaller. It's trained chinchilla optimally for multiple epochs on a 3.6T token dataset. The leak is wrong. If we assume that the leak isn't too wrong, I think that fairly safe bounds for PA-LM2's chinchilla equivalent compute is. It's as good as a dense chinchilla optimal model trained on just 3.6 T tokens, i.e. one with 3.6 T slash 20 equals 180 B parameters. This would make it 6180 E 93.6 E 12 equals 3.9 E 24 flop. It's as good as a dense chinchilla optimal model with 340 B parameters, i.e. one that was trained with 20340 B equals 6.8 T tokens. 6340 E 96.8 E 12 equals 1.4 E 25 flop. So I'll talk about both of those. The PA-LM2 technical report reports one-shot performance instead of few-shot performance, which my previous posts focused on, and which is depicted in the above graph. So the following graphs will display one-shot performance from both GPT-3 and PA-LM. Performance will be generally lower. First, how well does PA-LM2 match up against what you would have predicted from looking at GPT-3 and PA-LM1? In the following graph. The dots are GPT-3 and PA-LM-1 data points. The lines are only fit to the dots. The first line of crosses is the smaller estimate for PA-LM-2, 3.9 E24 flop. The second line of crosses is the larger estimate for PA-LM-2, 1.4 E25 flop. As it so happens, my reflections from last year, when adding PA-LM to just the GPT-3 points, apply equally well for PA-LM-2. Superglue is above trend. Anlie sees impressive gains, though nothing too surprising given sigmoidal scaling. Common sense reasoning plus reading tasks are right on trend. Close and completion, Winograd, and Q and A are below trend. The average is amusingly right on trend, though I wouldn't put a lot of weight on that, given that the weighting of the different benchmarks is totally arbitrary. The current setup gives equal weight to everything, despite for example SuperGLUE being a much more robust benchmark than Winograd. Maybe this is because the lines are still dominated by all the GPT-3 data points, despite also being fit to PA-LM1, and because PA-LM2 is pretty similar to PA-LM. This graph doesn't really help us tell whether PA-LM2 was trained with 3.9 E24 flop equivalent or 1.4 E25 flop equivalent. The average trend is slightly below the former and slightly above the latter so for fitting sigmoids to the pa lm2 data points along with the other data points for future extrapolations i'll split the difference and pretend that their 340b parameters trained on 3.6 t tokens was equally good as a chinchilla optimal training run with the same compute budget 6340e93.6e12 equals 7.3e24 flop gpt4 for gpt4's x position i'll use epics estimate of 2e25 flop And assume that GPT-4 is equally good as a chinchilla optimal model trained with that much compute would be. Unfortunately, the GPT-4 technical report only reports performance on 4 out of the greater than 20 benchmarks that I've been using previously. So the following graph will have fewer lines, and each line will only represent a single benchmark, and therefore be noisier. As above, I fit the lines to GPT-3 as well as PA-LM-1, and the crosses represent GPT-4. PA-LM-2 is no longer included in the graph, since they don't report few-shot performance on all of these benchmarks, which is what we're looking at now. GPT-4 outperforms expectations on ARC, AI2 Reasoning Challenge, Challenge Set, which is grade school multiple-choice science questions. GPT-4 underperforms expectations on Wino Grand, common-sense reasoning around pronoun resolution, and Drop, reading comprehension and arithmetic. GPT-4 performs as expected on Hella Swag, common-sense reasoning around everyday events. Its average performance is right on trend. I think I would have expected GPT-4 to be better than 2E25 to flop equivalent, given algorithmic improvements and fine-tuning. So maybe a small amount under trend. Compared to this very noisy extrapolation of four almost-saturated benchmarks. Here's a graph where the sigmoids are also fit to the GPT-4 data points. Appendix, how I convert to chinchilla loss. The obvious way to estimate models chinchilla equivalent loss would be to take the number of parameters, n and the number of tokens, D, that were used to train each model and plug them into the Chinchilla scaling law. Reducible loss equals 406.4N-0.34, plus 410.7D-0.28. This is indeed what I do for PA-LM1. But this would probably overestimate performance for the smaller GPT-3 models. All models in the GPT-3 paper were trained on the same 300B tokens, which is much more than what the Kaplan scaling laws recommend. This would boost Chinchilla estimated performance by a fair bit. But those models probably didn't have the right hyperparameters to make use of all that data. My impression is that Kaplan et al. estimated the wrong scaling laws because they were using suboptimal hyperparameters. I'll instead do a somewhat more complicated thing, where I estimate Chinchilla equivalent loss as follows. I start from the empirical loss that each model in the GPT-3 paper is reported to have on their validation set. I then use the scaling law from figure 3.1 of the GPT-3 paper to estimate a Kaplan equivalent compute. L equals 2.57 C minus 0.048, less than, greater than C equals, L slash 2.57 10048 I then use the scaling laws from equation B.9 in appendix B of the Kaplan scaling law paper to compute Kaplan optimal number of tokens and parameters to use if you're training a model with that much compute there are multiple different scaling laws you could get from that paper, which says different things. I choose b.9 because it has the closest match to the parameters and tokens that the largest version of GPT-3 actually has. It says that a model with GPT-3's compute should have had 164b parameters and 319b tokens rather than 175b and 300b. I then use the chinchilla law l equals 406.4n minus 0.34 plus 410.7d minus 0.28 to estimate how much loss a model like that would have gotten on Chinchilla's validation set. And I use the Chinchilla scaling laws to estimate the minimum number of compute you'd need to achieve that loss, and what split of parameters and data you should use. The key assumptions that this relies on is, I, the accuracy of the B.9 scaling law for the way that the Kaplan authors were training models, and, two, that the Kaplan authors and the Chinchilla authors were equally good at training capable models when the param token split was as recommended by Kaplan. Here's a figure over how this way of doing things correspond to mapping directly from parameters and data. Each dot is a model described in the GPT-3 paper. Their X and Y positions represent, the logarithm of, the estimated flop needed to train a chinchilla optimal model with that level of performance, according to the two different methodologies. In the middle, the two methodologies are briefly equivalent, the line almost goes through, 21.5, 21.5. At the lower end, the two methodologies differ by a factor of 4. At the top end, GPT-3 itself, they differ by a factor 1.6. Previously, the data annotations represented how much data you'd need to reach a certain level of performance, for the given model size, if you trained until convergence on that data, for as many epochs as was needed. On this new graph, the data annotation instead represents the total number of tokens you train on, only for a single epoch, which means that the numbers are larger. Why the discrepancy? Due to some contradictions in the Kaplan scaling laws, see my original post for more details, it was known that current compute optimal scaling couldn't keep working for much longer. It looked more likely that the train until convergence scaling laws would remain accurate. Furthermore, Kaplan scaling laws recommended training on fewer and fewer epochs as you scaled model size, so in the near future, it seemed likely that models would converge in one epoch. This meant that I could estimate future compute budgets as six hashtag parameters hashtag tokens with hashtag parameters and hashtag tokens estimated using the train until convergence scaling laws. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.